Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. I guess it is appropriate that I also say good morning, Remnant Church. And good morning, King's Harvest. And good morning, Arising Church. We're having our own little mini one association meeting today. It is Sunday, January 29th of 2023. And as you already know, the title of this morning's message is The Balkan Bow. We want to tell you in advance that today's sermon will be like sitting in a war room meeting where officers and generals discuss the next steps and battles that affect the outcome of the larger conflict. We're going to share with you from our own personal experiences and from what the Lord has graciously revealed to us about our most immediate battle, which is also known as the Balkan Bow. We have a picture that'll help you visualize what we're talking about. This is like a war room where we are looking at maps and we are setting pieces in place so that our next step is God-ordained and strategically correct. You know that this church is the Aswan team. And we will see a remnant from every nation brought to call upon the name of the Lord, just as Revelation 7 describes. Hey, we want to give you the proper medium this morning to respond with us. We're reading from notes. We're still getting woken up ourselves. We have diarrhea. We are trying not to throw up like every one of you sitting in this room. Let's just be honest for a second. We're family. Are you the Aswan team? Yeah. Will you see a remnant from every nation just as Revelation 7 says will happen? Come on. Yes. Then we're going to interact with each other on that level. We won't read a script and you won't sit here like you're dead. We'll respond together. Amen. So we're fortunate to be in a position where our king and great general has shown us that uh, as to how to begin this great task. We want to share with you the specifics of that insight because it depends on every one of us in this room, and it will take all of us to accomplish the larger vision. Guys, the truth of the matter is, is that the Lord is showing us greater insight in an increasing measure as to how he wants this great task accomplished. Yeah. In order to set the tone for what we intend to share, we want to share with you from a psalm of Asaph. Everybody turn in your Bibles to Psalm 77. This is a passage that encapsulates Israel's experience as they were brought from Egypt into the territory that God had allotted to them. Come on. Come on, say there when you're there. There. This is going to be Psalm 77 starting in verse 16 together. We'll be reading this one from the NIV 84 this morning. What can we say? We're familiar with this passage in the 84. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Can you get it for me? Absolutely. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Man, there's something about the 1984 sometimes. Yeah. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. 
Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Saints, as you're thinking about this psalm and you're realizing that Asaph was the one who wrote it, yeah. it describes the journey of Moses and Aaron. And you're well aware that the taking of the promised land, well, it lasted many years and it spanned several generations to accomplish. Our collective vision in many ways both mirrors this purpose, this geography that is described here. We have been directed towards taking the Abrahamic land grant, to taking a swan, to taking the biblical world. But just like Moses and Aaron, we need to know where we begin in this great journey. See, Asaph was able to write that they were led through the Red Sea because he was standing on the other side of the Red Sea. He was standing in the promised land. Well, God gave them a beginning. He removed from Egypt and he showed them an area that the waters would part so that they could begin the conquest of the land. We believe that God has shown us the parting of the Red Sea, shown us a pathway that the Lord himself will be at the head of, just as Micah said, one who breaks open the way for the rest of the sheep to follow. He has shown us where to begin, as is the case with most revelations. It is somewhat embarrassing how clear it has been over the years. All the while, we were unable to understand it up to this point. But praise God when we yeah, do have on. clarity and the sea is parted, you can see. See, Asaph had a special kind of clarity because he saw what happened. Moses and Aaron believed God, head out towards the promised land, but they didn't know where to begin with such a great task until God parted the waters. Yeah. Well, we're saying our God is miraculously parting the waters for this body today, church. So what we didn't understand in the past years is what that the Lord was showing us, like Abraham, the whole land grant, and the larger scope of the vision. Psalm 77 reflected on the path that was clear after Moses and Aaron had already walked through it. Up to this point, as a body, we have been at an earlier point of Moses and Aaron's walk. That waypoint is often referred to as the Mount Nebo event. We'd like to visit Deuteronomy 32 and give you further insight on that waypoint as Moses looked from Mount Nebo over the entire scope of the promised land. You're going to want to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 32 and find verse 45. As you're turning there, say bulk and bow. Okay, this is Deuteronomy 32, and we are begin in verse 45 together. When Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. Amen. They are not just idle words for you. Come on. They are your life. By them, you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. On that same day, the Lord said to Moses, Go up into the Abarim range to Mount Nebo in Moab, across from Jericho, and view Canaan, the land I am giving the Israelites as their own possession. So, like Moses in Scripture, in prophecy, in our physical travel, 
Adonai has been showing us the extent to which we love, we play a role in the salvation of every tribe, of every tongue, of every people, and of every nation of the biblical world. So when we say we, please do not think that we mean just LCM this morning. No, our brothers have received similar and co-witnessing insight over the years of their faithful service regarding the extent to which we will affect the nations of the world for Jesus Christ. So saints, we have an image we'd like to show you. When you're thinking about Moses on Mount Nebo, God gave him the opportunity to view the whole land. We have entire sermons about how from Mount Nebo you can't see the whole land. So something supernatural was happening. He was being elevated beyond his altitude. Well, God has given us over the years a vision of the land grant that the one association will take. This is an image that is on the wall at the Arising Church. They actually have like a full wall-sized map yeah. just to the side of their sanctuary. This is a culmination of the revelation that our brothers have collectively received from the Lord. I want you to notice that there are three colors on this map. First is the yellow, which you should recognize. This represents the region of Aswan, the same area that you see posted to your right, my left, on the stage here. The white represents the region of the Byzantine Empire, another region that is pivotal to the singular vision that the Lord has called us collectively too, and our sons to conquer in the days ahead. Now, if you notice the red outline, the red represents the region of the original land grant given to the nation of Israel. The same land grant that we just read about that God showed Moses on Mount Nebo in Deuteronomy 32. See, these three visions represent one singular vision. Can you appreciate that it's taken some years some prayer, some prophecy, and some travel for the one association to be able to visualize and set their sights on the total land grant. Yeah. From the widest, the Abrahamic land grant, in perfect agreement with the original direction from Scripture. I mean, this is what God promised to the house of the faithful. When you're considering that, the more specific areas that are smaller and begin to zoom in are the areas of a swan and then finally the Byzantine Empire. This forms a kind of layering that God has given us direction about and is informing our footsteps. We're excited to tell you today that not one promise the Lord has made will fall to the ground. Amen. Just as Joshua said in Joshua 24, we will see every good promise fulfilled as outlined in this map. Amen. Additionally, we're thrilled to tell you that the Lord has not redacted anything on that map. But he has added specificity and clarity about where we will begin and how this plan must be accomplished. The Apostle Peter was tasked with literally going into all nations and declaring the gospel. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. There were 12 apostles. Yep. And that directive never passed away. It could not be abrogated. It could not be removed. But he was also familiar with the way the gospel began to break into Jerusalem, how it was initiated, and then how it began to break into the Gentile world. You can find these subjects in Acts chapter 2 all the way to Acts chapter 10. Yeah, yeah. He's tasked with the whole world. He's tasked with all nations. 
But there had to be a place that they started to break into Jerusalem, a place they started to break into the Gentile world. We would briefly like to visit his second epistle as he iterates his certainty regarding the promises of God for the larger vision and the mandate to reach every single nation. This, this comes from 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. Hey, can you say praise God as you're turning there? The God we serve is able to reveal his larger plan to his sons, but he also adds specificity for every step along the way so that we, we, we can walk in confidence to accomplish his will. I love the Lord for that. Are you guys in 2 Peter chapter 1? Let's pick up in verse 19. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place, until the dawn, day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now as we begin to take you through our journey to the specific point that God said is the key and the beginning to unlocking a larger vision, we want you to know that in no way does the further instruction that the Lord gave us abrogate the original vision that he gave us. Amen. The word of the prophets through the one association has never been made more certain. Come on. God has simply illuminated or added specificity to us a place of initiation. Say initiation. Initiation. In order that we reach the darkness that currently covers the biblical world. Guys, are you ready to hear about some of the details about where we visited and how the Lord led us on this last trip? Okay, we got a picture for you. It's a very rudimentary picture. Can you guys see that map there? So this is a picture of... The total of nine countries that we went to on this trip. You can't see Germany on this particular picture, but the other eight countries you can see on this graphic here. We met up with our brothers from the Arising Church first in Chicago before we made the trip across the seas. What a blessing that was. Goodness. Yeah. We, we sat down, celebrated what God would do with each other, and contemplated the glory of God before we even left. From Chicago, we flew into Munich, Germany. Then from Germany, we went to Romania. Somebody say Romania. Romania. Then Serbia. Say Serbia. Serbia. Then Kosovo. Say Kosovo. Kosovo. Then Albania. Albania. Then Montenegro. Montenegro. Then Croatia. Croatia. Then Bosnia and Herzegovina. Bosnia and Herzegovina. And then Hungary. Hungary. So you're looking at the map of our travels totally after we flew into Romania. Guys, this is about to get really good, and we're going to start in our very first spot, and you're going to begin to hear the way that the Lord set us up for success from the beginning. So as with any one association trip, things got interesting relatively quickly during our travels. Of course. Now, having walked through the Red Sea, it is clear how the Lord was leading us retrospectively. And how his footsteps are visible even in our physical flight path. After our arrival in Munich, Germany, 
Our next flight was scheduled to take off from there and bring us directly to the Cluj airport in Romania. So Cluj is the area we have most of our friends in, airports three and a half minutes away from their house. Due to freezing fog, which I didn't know was a thing, I had to look that up, I'm from the south, the runway in Cluj was inaccessible. Yeah. Our flight got canceled. And so we found ourselves in a long line of extremely disgruntled Lufthansa patrons who were all looking to get on some other flight. As we stood in the middle of this extremely long line, praying about the Lord's next step for a journey, a Lufthansa employee approached our group of seven out of everyone who was there and asked if we were interested in getting on another flight. Needless to say, we were thrilled that God had sent this man to help us, much to the dismay of all the other patrons around us who wanted to be transported right now. So he brought us to the very front of the line, which we were close to the back of, and uh, we were able to get on a flight to Bucharest, Romania, that was taking off within an, an hour. Now, this becomes extremely important, and I understand that the geography is not something you're familiar with, but essentially, Cluj is the number one. It's that city in the north area of Romania that is a stop. So instead of flying there, we're now flying to Bucharest, which is roughly six and a half hours uh, away from Cluj. This, however, gave us an opportunity to do something that we were excited about. It gave us the opportunity to go to Constanta, which is only two hours away from Bucharest. Constanta is that little map on the far right-hand side of the screen by the sea. This was important to us because on previous occasions, the Lord had given us prophetic insight and direction at this specific geographic spot. It also happens to be the very northwest tip of the uh, Aswan region. On the flight to Bucharest, we were able to compile, compile a list of prophecies that the Lord had given us over the last 10 years regarding the Middle East, Aswan, the Black Sea, Romania, and specifically Cluj. After making the drive from Bucharest to the sea and the city called Constanta in an extremely undersized Dacia that uh, we, seven men crammed into, we stood together at a familiar part of the beachfront on the Black Sea in Constanta, and we began to pray and share what we had received over the last 10 years together. We'd like to summarize those prophecies, since it's 10 years worth of them, and share a few verbatim with you, along with our favorite highlights to give you an idea of what God is telling us in our war room this morning. Yeah, okay, so let's start from 2012 together. So in 2012 and in 2013, that's the first time that I ever came to LCM, starting in 2012. During that year to year and a half time period, the Lord spoke specifically about future ministry in Eastern Europe that went all the way around the Black Sea. Now, there was an emphasis during that time on the bold advocation for the spiritual gifts exemplified in power and in healing. And the Lord told us that through children and through arrows, generations, even to the gray hairs, would see salvation. Amen. You have to understand that this was at a time where the Black Sea was not in anybody's purview at all at LCM or in any of the churches. 
but God started a little bit over 10 years ago, reviving a vision that had been heard and seen since 1993, but had been long forgotten over the course of those years. Now, a few years later in 2015, as our team began to form and our awareness was really growing, Pastor Eric gave us this word in the month of January. He said, the Lord spoke, speaks words to you now, and they will be so tested that they will appear to die, but he will bring you through. One day you will travel east and you will not go alone. Praise God for that. You will look over the Black Sea and it will feel like you will die before you ever cross it. But you will look to the faces of friends and see the smiles of confidence on their faces with you, heart and soul. You will hit your mark. Now, right around the same time of prophecy, there was also a vision that was had of Judah and I with our families on the windy coast of the Black Sea standing there on the coast, and I was pointing across the sea, and Judah was standing right behind me at the ready position. They were, we were looking forward together with determination on our faces about what God would do to spread his gospel. Now, God showed us this individually, and as impactful as it was personally, we were determined to see it come to pass. But what we were unaware of was that these prophecies and these visions did not, will not, and cannot stop with just us. And these guys, these prophecies were certainly not about us, at least not about us alone. So when you're hearing these recountings, remember these are early days in LCM. We had much less discipleship. There's a lot less that we understood. And frankly, we're asking you to have mercy on us as you hear some of the recounting. There are things that we didn't know, and many of these prophecies are years apart. And when we say there's a great deal we didn't understand, we didn't even have Peyton yet, much less understand that we are the Aswan team. God has grown us as a body up a great deal over these years. Now, despite the fact that we didn't understand team unity like we have it now, that we didn't understand the way that we have one mission as a body like we do now, The Lord was faithful to work through our lack of understanding, to cause his will to come about, even to the extent of interrupting weddings for the first time in LCM history and disposing of honeymoon plans. So during our wedding, and by our wedding, I mean Sasha and I, there was a prophecy for the first time in LCM's history. We had an elder interrupt the service in tongues We didn't give a pause for it. It wasn't expected. It was something that God moved on him so strongly that we literally stopped walking down the aisle. Then we had an interpretation. Who happened to be there at that wedding because of a childhood friendship was Hannah and Peyton. This was their very first interaction with LCM. Not unlike what we just did yesterday, but it was the first time we had seen it done. In this prophecy, it said, I see Sasha standing behind Judah with her arms wrapped around him. And Judah is facing east of the Black Sea into the Middle East. Judah has three arrows in his bow. And he released the three arrows. And they spread across the Middle East. The arrows hit the ground and the word of the Lord spreads. The word of the Lord will not return void. So remember when I asked you to have mercy on me? 
Like any dense newlywed, I had specific activities on my mind while this prophecy was coming forth. <laughs> That's great. We'll talk about it later. I'm going to the car. <laughs> Upon reviewing the prophecy later, I heard what I wanted to hear. I heard you are going to the Middle East, although that is not what it said. Little did I know the prophecy was about standing at the Black Sea and facing east while like an archer sending sons into the Middle East, just like the archer of Psalm 127. So if you catch what we're doing for you is we're walking through chronologically the words that had been given regarding the Black Sea region and ministry overseas. Can I just encourage some hearts in the room for a moment? Because what Pastor Judah just shared is, hey, the Parsons came to this wedding. This was their first interaction. This was my first interaction with this body. It was also the first time I really heard prophecy in tongues and interpretation. For the hearts in this room who feel like God's plan's not unfolding, let me tell you that there's no such thing as being on the edge of God's will. Obedience puts you in the center of God's will, and he works out the rest over years and years and years of work. I showed up to a wedding. That was my act of obedience, and that was the extent of my faith at the time, to show up to a wedding and be faithful to my commitment. But I didn't know that I had stepped right into the center of God's will. I was surrounded by all the people that I would spend the rest of my life with. The only person who didn't know that was me. So I want you to hold on to that as you are working through this year and you're sifting back through things the Lord has spoken. You may not understand all the ways that God's going to bring about the promise. But one thing is true is that he's going to do it. So after this wedding, the people I knew in the church left, all of them. They all went to Romania. The Erginas, the Stevens, they left, and I was here with the body of believers, where I was introduced to real discipleship. I was introduced to real brotherhood. I was introduced to men who loved the word of God and wanted to act it out, perform the word, and teach others how to do it. I was inspired. I was inspired by men like Matthew Pirro, just a stud of studs. Now, there are a few pivotal scriptural insights and prophetic messages that they returned from that trip with and have continued to guide our footsteps to this day. Now, standing on the other side of the Red Sea, it's clear the way the Lord has been leading us down the same path the entire time. And I want to share a summarized version with you. You guys okay with that? Okay. While standing in the Black Sea, the sun was setting with a crescent moon in the sky. There was light in the western direction on the Black Sea and darkness in the direction of the Middle East. This is a map of where the team was in 2015 and what we're looking at. So do we have that slide? That little uh, dropped pin is Constanza, and obviously to the east of there is Turkey. While standing in this spot, there were many visions uh, there was visions of stalks of a crop being harvested with other men following behind in increasing fashion. In the same spot, there was a vision of men who went from the light side of the moon to the dark side of the moon with more men to follow. 
Both of these visions communicated that this area was an initiation point. Say initiation point. Initiation point. For something that would grow beyond us. Now, while we were at the Black Sea, two independent witnesses came forward from our team that stated Romania was the key to the Black Sea and the regions beyond the Black Sea. What we discovered on our most recent trip, the one we just came back from, was that other men had prophesied the exact same thing about Romania being a key to unlocking the nations for the kingdom and the way Romania will play a role in evangelizing Islam. This happened mid-conversation while we are recounting how God called us to Romania, how Cluj is a key, and one of the, the believers there pipes up and says, I have heard this prophesied by a man not connected to you, and he's saying the exact same thing. Perhaps we're listening to the same God who's ordained it. Now, if that were not enough, an elder's wife, who was not present for these events, prophesied nearly the exact same concept, but with the addition of the need to seek out or pursue this key, which is what country? Romania. Romania. Additionally, which there's going to be a lot of those, because the Lord will not leave us without confirmation in 70 different ways. In the Serbian language, the town of Cluj, that we had just spent so much time investing in, means key. If you don't believe me, ask Elder Bosch. This was particularly significant because half of our team that was present for these prophecies was of Serbian descent. Yeah, and that's just the beginning of all this. It gets so much deeper, so much greater. Can you begin to see the foundation that God is laying from 2012, 2013 through 2015? We're just at 2015 right now, and we're going to continue in the prophecies that we got and the visions that we got in 2015 after Judah and Sasha's wedding. Remember, we're standing in the Black Sea for the very first time. Another prophecy that we wanted to read to you verbatim, you guys are actually all familiar with, whether you know it or not. Listen to this prophecy. I see yellow. There are thousands of heavenly hosts around us with trumpets, declaring and bearing witness to the countries that are surrounding us. There is not a spirit of confusion in Romania, but a spirit of slumber. You are called to wake them up and set a fire inside of them. We're going to be honest with you this morning. If you haven't noticed so far, we're being painfully honest about this process because we didn't understand most of this while it was happening. Yeah. This prophecy was actually playfully mocked at the time that it came forth. I did that. <laughs> it was mocked because of its colorful description, namely the fact that it starts with the phrase, I see yellow. It was all yellow. Now, you are all aware, very well aware, that the Aswan revelation that came several years later is of a territory outlined in yellow. yellow. In fact, it's on our stage right now. Guys, while you're interacting with this, we're going to keep building on some of the themes and we'll help you draw conclusions as God has recently helped us draw conclusions. So if you're fuzzy on a detail... Don't worry about it. We'll continue to interact over the coming weeks. But two anchor points from the scripture that came from this time frame. The first was being Psalm 57, 
which has been recently reawakened in our day here at LCM. But I'm going to read to you Psalm 57, verse 7 through 11. This is a pairing with the prophecies that you heard. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So while this passage has commonly been repeated in LCM, in this most recent year, we've heard teachings on it. It has grown to mean a great deal to all of us. The first time that the Lord spoke about awakening the dawn was in relation to ministry in Eastern Europe that would send sons into the Middle East. In addition to the awakening and the archer imagery, he spoke to us about his faithfulness to complete these things, that he would cause his good promises to come to pass, and that his glory would be over all of the biblical world. Are you beginning to catch the continuity? God wants to awaken something in one location that is a starting point for sending sons that will eventually encompass the whole biblical world. So once again, we need to ask you to have mercy on us because these things are spread out over years. But isn't it becoming more clear now that we're laying them out and we're sharing them with our family because it's not just one man's vision or one team's vision. It is our vision and we're going to accomplish it together. These prophecies that were spread out, they're just like Moses. The Lord showed him and he showed us the breadth of the land over time. Like many, we were fixated on the ultimate goal, the Middle East, the end goal. However, he gave us another word and a diligent brother who will remain nameless helped us retain these details through time. His name was Nick. His name is Nick. All of this together. (laughs) We're very appreciative for our brother who's diligent in these tasks. Because we wouldn't have these had he not written them down. All of this together led up to us being able to see his footsteps through the sea by looking back at what has been spoken. The next word that came from this time frame was Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, and I'll read it to you. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Now the Lord in his graciousness saw fit to instruct us to write these things down in advance of further revelation, knowing that we would not be able to connect the dots without a written record. So from Habakkuk 2 and prophetic insight, the Lord spoke to us that an hourglass had been tipped over and that the time was soon to come and that the remnant at the place that we would go, uh, would be going, would be small and weak. Yahweh in his sovereignty knew that this would not be the last time we were brought in to the Black Sea. He who calls the end from the beginning caused us to record these events so that when he added to them later, we could see the clear direction and designated starting points for the biblical world. Amen. So he had us write it all down so at the right moment, he could say, look back at everything I've spoken to you. 
It's almost like he's drawing a picture for us, almost like he's drawing a map so that we know exactly where to plant our feet. Now, if you didn't remember at this point, we wanted to remind you, Constanta is the very northwest corner of the Swan region in yellow that you can see on our map. And it's the area that we're speaking about. So northwest corner of Romania. As we continue on with what the Lord shared with us over the last decade, you have to remember something. Our flight got to Cluj, our original flight that we were so excited about going on, getting straight to Cluj and getting to work, that's the flight that got canceled. You have to put yourself in our shoes for a moment. Like, oh, no, we had this whole plan for the beginning of our trip, and now it's canceled. We were wrong. Now what are we going to do, Lord? So you have to figure out, because that flight is canceled, we're standing toward the back of a line of a huge line where one or two little stations in a Lufthansa huge part of the airport are totally um, stacked up. And if that didn't happen, then the man wouldn't have come up to us, taken our whole group out of the line, taken us to the front of the line and said, where do you want to go? If that didn't happen, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to get on a plane within an hour that same night to Bucharest. If that didn't happen, then we wouldn't have been able to wake up in the morning, drive two hours, go to Constanza, and on the way put together the last 10 years of words. And if that didn't happen, we would not be standing here today listening and giving you guys the revelation of what God has clearly spoken over the last decade. Can you see the gracious hand of our God at work step after step after step? Guys, he's not going to let us fall. He's not going to let us fail. He's not going to let us miss the mark in this call. We just have to be pliable before him. So later on, between the time frame of 2015 and 2016, a pastor and a pastor's wife, there were two prophecies. Both of these guys prophesied about a larger map that was in God's will and our purview. They also went on to describe areas of a magnified view as a starting place. Zoomed in. Zoomed in. And the beginning of an international scattering from that starting place. Much like in the days of Acts 8 that we have been teaching you about for the last few weeks. All of this consistently culminated in direct words about a starting place in Romania. Then the larger European area and the Black Sea region. We know from these prophecies that the Lord has his sights on beginning with restoring the broken ties that currently exist in the nation of Romania and scattering his people with intent from that nation. The starting point and the launching pad, the key to the beginning of his plan. As beautiful as what we have conveyed to you about Romania is... What you need to be aware of is how dead this vision looked to us from 2016 until about 2020. There seemed to be few signs of life and in all public transparency, our faith in what God would do in this region of the world was greatly diminished, mostly due to men's sins as they consumed the church of God that existed there in Romania. A bitter root, as Acts 14 describes, threatened to destroy all existing believers in that area leaving none with genuinely pure faith. However, despite the destruction that took place, some endured. Some did more than endure, they cultivated and they thrived. We love you, Niku and Anka. Interactions with the believing community, 
who had been thoroughly purified, threshed, and sifted, helped to lead to a confirming word from Ezekiel 37 about the resurrection of Romania's purpose. This witness from Ezekiel 37 came from no less than three different churches. These events began to rekindle our faith, but further revival was still ahead of us. So in 2021, the Lord gave us clear insight about what he was doing in the midst of these difficult and death-filled circumstances. Rising out of the ashes of a vision that looked completely dead, but inspired by prior prophetic direction of resurrection, came an instructive word roughly a year and a half later after the revelation of 2020. And we're going to read that to you. It says, I had a vision that a map of a swan was laid out on the ground. Remember, the beginning of a swan is the northwest region located in Romania. There was a threshing sledge being dragged over the map, starting in a circle on the outside of the map and working its way to the inside like a swirl, separating the wheat from the chaff as it went along. This threshing sledge was working from Romania in a counterclockwise circle through Eastern Europe first. The threshing sledge proceeded through the Middle East and got to the inside of the map on top of Jerusalem and rested there. So at this point, it became clear to us that Adonai had a process, say process, process, in the way that he would reach Jerusalem, starting in one area and proceeding to others. In this process, a great sifting was taking place, where some were counted worthy to participate in the kingdom of God, and others counted themselves unworthy to participate in this great call. Now, with that imagery in your mind of this threshing that's going back to Jerusalem, but starting in Romania, we would like to show you an image that came from our most recent trip in 2023 of the region that we will uh, most certainly begin in. Guys, this is a picture of the Balkan bow. Yeah. You saw this last Sunday at the close of the message, but we wanted to put it on the screen because we're going to view it several times this morning together. Our God is beginning to thresh this entire region of Eastern Europe here, the bow region. He's doing this in preparation for proceeding to his promised people. The goal will always be, has always been, Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. Amen. But it's from this region in Eastern Europe, this region between Romania all the way down to Albania where you see the bow stretched out, is where the harvest of men from this region will carry the gospel into the next region that he has for us within a swan. A particular passage that has consistently been informing the attitude in which we must approach this work, it comes from John chapter 4. Turn there with us to John chapter 4, and we're going to read two verses starting in 34 together. Oh, yeah. Say that as you're turning to John 4. Guys, John 4, 34 says, My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more than the harvest? I tell you... Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. The context of John 4 extends far beyond the isolated ministry event between Jesus 
and the woman at the well. Jesus is expounding on God's desire to unite all of Israel, all of the tribes, all of them under one banner with him as their Messiah. The vision of a ripe harvest could never be accomplished with one or two tribes alone, but distinctly required that all tribes were united, listen to this, with no borders and with no barriers between them. The harvest of the gospel is always ripe. It's always in full bloom and manifests in power when men make the decision to lay aside their own individuality. What God is doing in the biblical world starting in Eastern Europe is not and cannot be isolated just to our work alone as quickly as we are able to. And it might take some time, but we want to bring you along the same journey that God brought us through to understand the corporate vision that we have as a one association between the one association churches. So where we've left off in our story of this most recent trip, as we told you, we went from Chicago to Munich and from Munich, we ended up at Constanta. Everything we've just shared with you is review that God reminded us of while we were at Constanta. But that's the second day of our trip. You can imagine at this point, we are beginning to be certain to understand, to grasp what God has called us yeah. to do. Yeah. And I tell you how little that was in comparison to what God wanted to show us about what we will do collectively as a one association. See, I've heard other men's mezuzah statements, but they didn't mean much to me until I saw them in action. I've heard other men's visions, but until you participate in it, it's not the same. The journey we're about to bring you along is how we begin to gain our brother's vision, and he formed one vision. Do you know why we're preaching about having no diacrino? It's because we can't have it to complete the will of God. So we have a couple photos for you that are mostly uh, just to give you an idea of what the setting looked like. This is where we are sitting, reviewing the prophecies with the team between us and arising. And Pastor Massey shared words with us. Pastor Peter shared words with us. And we had a time where God was just prepping us for the rest of the revelation we would receive. This next photo is us standing with the moon in the background. Unfortunately, on the projector, you can't see it. But we are facing uh, Romania's coast with the Black Sea and Turkey behind us. So we drove to Cluj from this location, which again was about a six and a half hour drive. And when we arrived, we stayed with Niku and Anka, who are precious believers and partners in the work of the gospel. Amen. We have another photo for you that I'd like you to see. So on the far left hand side here in the green hoodie is Niku and his wife Anka is right next to him. Now, it's a little more difficult to point out here, but Chipri is the man who is a little taller standing next to my father, and his wife, Diana, is standing next to Nick Eregina. These faithful saints are reliable and trustworthy men and women of God. Amen. There are men and women who have proven to be pivotal in the future work of the gospel, starting in the city of Cluj. So as we continue on, Peyton will carry us into our next scenes. Yeah, it's hard to tell you in the time frame that we have how every step of this trip, and I mean every day, had supernatural occurrences. We weren't supposed to be at the Black Sea. 
God rerouted our flight so that we could go there to gain a deeper understanding of the vision that he gave us. Real quick, do y'all want to know every single detail, or would you like to be able to gain the overall vision and plan of God? Yeah. Sometimes miscellaneous details actually have a negative effect. So if you stay with us, we're going to leave the miscellaneous details out that we can have over coffee so that you know what God has called us to do as a one association. Yeah, so the next day in Cluj, we met with Yannicka, Christy, and Daniel from a church named Deo Gloria. We can take that next photo, which Deo Gloria obviously means the glory of God in Romanian. These are three precious brothers who are sold out for the work of the Lord and are continually being shaped and formed by the word of God alone, just like us. They work in a team, by the way. They progress to make in their freedom, uh, progress in their freedom of the spiritual gifts, their freedoms and the spiritual gifts, but they possess the same commitment to the standards of the word that we currently enjoy. And this happened independently. So sitting with them, they were talking about the revelation that the word of God was giving to them individually, and it resonated with exactly what the Lord showed us in this body. And we look forward to years of fruitful ministry development alongside them. So the brothers in the picture right here that's currently on the screen, they were filled with joy through the Holy Spirit when they met other men who valued team unity and the exaltation of the word above all other standards. Can we tell you that that is everything in the kingdom? That when you discover men of God who value those things above all else, you have a budding relationship that God wants to accomplish? That's what happened and began to happen at that table right there. The group that we're about to show you is from a different body of Christ located in Cluj. But they are also one in spirit and deeply value spiritual truth in their lives. They were instantaneously family because of their adherence to the word, just like the Levites in Exodus 32. Let's put that next picture up on. There it is. So here you can see we're sitting in the living room in the home of Marius and Ligia Popa, which means priest in Romanian. Guys, while this is happening, families were preserved from destructive paths. Scriptural discussion arose while we were sitting here together, and prophetic worship ensued. Although we were not particularly familiar with Marius and Legia, or Chipri and Diana like we were with Nico and Anka before this trip, the witness of the Spirit on our meeting was immediately Amen. apparent. Nico fully intended, actually, to join us on the rest of our journey through the uh, countries in, in the Balkan region. But for God-born reasons, it was required that he stayed in Cluj while we continued on through the rest of what God would show us in the countries of the Balkans. But before we move on, we want you to know that our time in Romania was filled with three families and a three-member ministry team that all want to emulate our way of life as well as have demonstrated a capacity to sacrifice in order to see those visions come to pass. Come We're doing our best to consolidate for you over a week of time spent together. But during that more of a week time at the beginning of our trip, we spent that time with hungry families. We spent that time with hungry churches where we saw many baptized in the Holy Spirit, where we taught the beginnings of both our marriage teaching and our parenting teachings, and where we saw men restored to their teams 
through the revelations that God has given us over the course of the last decades. Somebody say amen to we have what we need. In the midst of outpourings of the Holy Spirit, no new revelation was required. Somebody say no new revelation. No No new new revelation. revelation. Guys, what was required was only a thorough intimacy with the fundamental aspects of the one association and its core tenets and truths. That's what was required to see these churches and families grow. These experiences were met with a hunger and a desire for more. And we're excited for the next opportunity that we get to return and continue what the Lord began on this trip. So we're taking you along our journey. And that was a summary of our experiences in Romania. This brings us to our journey to Serbia, which was next. Now, as we go to this next picture, you need to know that seeds were sown in Serbia more than 20 years ago in the past through members of our ministry team. Those seeds are just now showing the full potential of their crop. Can we get that next slide? There we go. So what this is, is we are sitting in the living room of Bojidar Erezina's family. We happened to be there at the same time as his mother. <laughs> we met with Bojidar's cousin, Maria, who is a God-fearer Amen. in the rest of her family. She has the potential to become a Lydia, who invited Paul and his ministry team in and facilitated further work in the region. She lit up when she understood what we were doing. In their home, we received God-inspired insight regarding our path of travel proceeding to future countries. This is a little more complicated than just crossing the Mexican border. There are some areas that internationals can and can't go through, and God, through this family, gave us instruction about the right way to enter Kosovo. Our next slide is in Serbia as well. This is uh, a particularly special moment. On top of everything we had with the family that we knew, we also met young men on the castle of Kalimangdun, a location within the capital city of Beograd, who had a genuine God-born hunger for the word and godly spirit-filled fellowship. He's from an Orthodox background, but is searching desperately for more, and God caused us to run into him here. Adam and I began to expand our expectations of what he might do beginning in Romania, but stretching across the Balkan region. Yeah, so this was street ministry. That was a Holy Ghost revival, which for us means we went to the park. Because we take the presence of God everywhere that we go. Now from Belgrade, Serbia, we left and we traveled into the region of Kosovo where we picked up a believer by the name of Beznik Hoti, whom you've heard about, you heard about him on Sunday. We have a picture here for you. We were having lunch and we are beginning to discuss the word. We are beginning to learn about each other and share with him some of the things that the Lord's shared with us. He looks a little like Keith Green. He looks like Keith Green. Now, from the region of Kosovo, we traveled through Albania and stopped in Duras and visited an amphitheater located on the path of the Ignatian Way. Say Ignatian Way. Ignatian Way. And it was called the Amphitheater of Duras, and we have some pictures of that for you. So check out this next picture here in this amphitheater of Duras along the Ignatian Way. You can see we're standing in the amphitheater praying and discussing words and prophecies. While, while we're realizing 
that you guys probably are not familiar with this term, the Ignatian Way. Uh, we want to show you, when you have that vision in your mind, we want to show you the actual pathway that existed. And this pathway of the Ignatian Way existed two centuries before the Apostle Paul. So here's the Ignatian Way. You can see here in this picture that it begins in Italy. Incredible. Shout out to the arising church and the vision that they have there. It crosses into Albania right there where Duras is in the northwest corner of Albania right there, which is where we're standing right here. From that point in Duras, it stretches east all the way across into Istanbul and beyond all the way down to Jerusalem. Guys, this is the Ignatian Way. And as we're standing here, the Lord began to speak to us some amazing things. So this is insight through our brother church. This is insight that we received through the arising church. And we began to gain a further understanding of the connections between Italy all the way into the Middle East. The Lord has given them understanding that has been passed to us. That there is an ancient connection stretching from Italy into the Middle East that runs straight through Eastern Europe. Guys, they've had this revelation. And the truth is, is that we begin to catch up to the revelation that God's already showed us. And we did it in the city in Albania called Duras while we were sitting in an amphitheater that Paul most likely visited during his travels. So our next slide, this is a, a little easier image to view on a projector screen. This is the amphitheater that Paul likely preached in. What we're beginning to recognize that God has spoken to us about a greater map, about an Aswan region, about a biblical land grant, about the Byzantine Empire. But he's highlighting to us that we need to begin in Eastern Europe. We get the message. We're like, yes, you've been telling us all these years, Romania is the key. We're starting here, guys. As we're going along this journey, we're seeing the significance of the other countries along the way, and we're picking up pieces of our brother's revelation that is becoming our revelation. Amen. So subsequent to praying in the amphitheater in Duras, we walked a short distance to the Adriatic Sea. I mean, it's literally like six minutes from the amphitheater. Yeah. And began to unanimously join in prayer about the future of all of our sons who will span this distance from Italy across Eastern Europe into the heart of the Middle East and eventually Jerusalem. So this next image, if you see this area that is uh, well lit with a cloud just to the left of it, if you were to take a bow and arrow and fire it that direction, it would land in Italy. We're standing on Albanian soil and behind us is Serbia and Romania. This kind of gives you an idea of the angle that we're looking at. Subsequent to leaving Duras, we had several other supernatural moments. I mean, we met two Jews here in Duras that we talked to about the gospel and other things. But in addition to those supernatural moments, something special that we want you to see yeah. is a pastor named Turi and his family in a city named Barat. He spoke to us about a God-born vision for a unified church across the Balkans that included the dissolving of national borders and hostilities from Albania to Romania. He also happens to look like the brother of Nick Massey. I think you can see the resemblance. Very similar. 
Jury is Albanian, Massey is Italian. I think somebody's grandmother is lying. After several productive and powerful meetings with this family and the two congregations that they pastor because they've worked to plant other ministries and raise up sons, we proceeded to head to a town called Saranda with Turi along with us, where we visited a historically unique site dedicated to the holy 40 martyrs of Savas, Turkey, otherwise known as Legio Fulminata. So this is us standing on the edge of the monastery looking at the Adriatic Sea. Full disclosure, it is one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth, the most beautiful that I've ever been to. In the midst of that, we have Pastor Tori there with us. And can I tell you, it waters your soul when you are journeying on the path to God's plan for your life, and you find a brother who you did not know was a brother, and he's like, God spoke to me the exact same thing, and then in an instant, you have a lifelong brother. There is nothing, nothing more addicting than that, because saints, there are believers all around the world who are praying for what we have in this room. Let's take another one. We have a, an outside wall just to give you... A, a visual aid of what this looks like. Monastery got bombed in World War II, so this is the remnants of it. So after surveying the beautiful scenery, it became apparent to the group that it was God's will for us to go inside. Whether or not the local government had currently fortified and locked the castle with iron bars. Okay? That didn't seem relevant at the time. So our team, with the local pastor, Turi, we're led by the Spirit of God to locate a hardware store that happened to supply the tools that we needed to gain access to the interior of the monastery. Jury's with us. Once we were successful and we gained access, we were able to participate in a supernatural worship uh, and had a time of sharing scripture with each other. If the planets align and Adonai's favor is upon it, we would like to play a short video for you with the audio included so that you can participate with us in our war planning meeting as we enter into the operation known as the Balkan Bow. Say Balkan Bow. Balkan Bow. Now, short disclaimer, should we not be able to play the video, we are fully prepared to not depend on media this morning and jump straight into our next passage. Sound booth? Here we go. Thy line of bread, oh cry to the death, we are soldiers. Amen. We just gave you a little 27-second teaser, but you can see we were there for about 10 minutes. We walked around. We saw some of the 40 rooms within that monastery, and we picked one of them, and we went inside, and we began to worship and discuss the Scripture, and the Lord began to open up the revelation and the realization that it's one vision. 
It's one direction from the Lord. And every one of our brothers, every one of our brother churches, and those that we don't even know and have not even discovered yet, they have a piece of the puzzle that is necessary for us to accomplish God's one vision. Guys, God began to show us the continuity of all of our revelations as one. We would like to read to you a passage while we were here that inspired us. It's from Revelation 14 and verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write, blessed are the dead. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Notice it didn't name what church they were from or what country they were born in. Or what geographic area they had moved to. It says the dead. Yes, says the spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. As we, we can't tell you, we're doing everything that we can to transfer the impact of these moments on our trips to you. And I can see as we're looking out, I can see that it's affecting you in the same way that it is affecting us. Standing in a place right there in that video that commemorates the sacrifice of those 40 holy soldiers. It became evident to us the way in which God has called us all to this greater region, starting within the Balkan bow. The Balkan bow will become a hub after years of investment. The Balkan bow is going to be an arrow launching platform that launches arrows straight into the Middle East and eventually reaching Jerusalem itself. So as we put this image on the screen for the second time for you, it is appropriate that we explain it at a bit. So as you're looking at the geography of this bow, the top of the bow, if you're looking north, that's Cluj, Romania. The bottom of the bow is Saranda, Albania. God physically led us through a path that touched each of these countries, and that forms the arch of the bow. Now, if you look over on the far left-hand side of the screen, this area of northern Italy is where God led the arising church to make an investment in. There are family ties, and they're working on Italian citizenship. God has arranged something between these cities that have a connection that form an arrow that is pointing directly into Turkey. To be very specific, into Savas, Turkey, the area where the 40 holy martyrs are actually from. What Adonai has shown us as the arms of the bow, beginning in Romania, then goes through Serbia and is brought into Albania. This bow has a taut string on it, one that is drawn back like an archer ready to fire. This can only be done with our brother's connection in Italy. And it fires arrows directly into the Middle East, which is what God has already revealed to us and already set our sights on in Turkey. The operation within the larger operation that is the biblical world is the starting point for every one of our sons among the current One Association churches and the 12 churches that will be. So again, we started with a certain perspective for a reason. Moses was called to bring the people out of Egypt and into the promised land. But he had to find a place to cross the Red Sea, and he didn't know where it would be until God showed him. But once the way was opened up, it led for many to follow him across the Red Sea into the promised land. 
See, God is giving us a starting point that will build a hub, a launching pad for many to go. It is likely that we will plant some families in areas of the Middle East in advance of us, that we will also do the same in Israel and Jerusalem. But ultimately, the threshing sledge of major change and supernatural transformation will start in this region and work its way toward Jerusalem. Another way to describe it is that we do not have time to articulate is that in the same manner that Isaiah 59 describes a pent-up flood working its way to Jerusalem, this move of God will begin with the Balkan bow and pick up steady steam until the nations are conquered for Jesus Christ and the rising of the sun has caused all men to call upon the name of the God of Israel. Church, are you starting to see it? This is one step in the process of accomplishing a larger vision. And we're thankful for the vision that comes directly out of LCM. And we've come to recognize the extent to which we have been naive, even dense at times, to believe the total vision comes from our midst locally here in Houston. This vision only comes to pass by combining the collective vision given to the One Association churches, starting with the rising's most recent revelation. Or we are left with something woefully inadequate. Are you picking up on that this morning? As individuals, as families, and as a church, we are moving beyond the myopic view that what has been given to us is for us alone. We are moving to the attitude, the mentality, and the practice of the 40 holy soldiers from a diverse geography, a diverse culture, a diverse background, but with one singular purpose. To succeed in this endeavor, we must break down the dividing wall of hostility. Just as Ephesians 2.14 commands, if we start personally in our marriages, in our teams, in our church, and learn to form intertwined teams between churches, the power of God will rest on us with tongues of fire, just as it did in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10. When those barriers are broken and torn down, then the presence of God falls on those who are hearing the message. Now, Psalm 127 is a passage that's been close to every family in this room. It has been close to the heart of our brother churches as well. It has also been explicitly stated as a prophetic message while we traveled through the Balkans, and we want to share that with you right now. This is Psalm 127. Yeah, as you're turning there, say the Balkan bow. Balkan bow. Psalm 127, starting in verse 3. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Guys, we want to give you a couple very condensed truths based on Psalm 127 and based on the revelations that we've articulated in this message. So as you're thinking about verses 3 through 5, you need to know that this new front is our new beginning to accomplish the original vision. And... We cannot do it without our brother's vision and our brother's help and involvement. 
as you're picturing this bow in your mind, know that our sons and future ministers are the arrows that are going to be shot into the Middle East. Our sons and future ministers are those arrows. You can see that clearly from Psalm 127. Also know that this region and the families that are currently in the region of the Balkans, they are that bow that is there to shoot the arrows into the Middle East. Know that our churches here are the archer, working as one man to draw back that string, make it taut, and shoot again and again and again. Sometimes we have to hear things twice to understand it. But I want you to catch what Pastor Nick just said. The arrows are our sons and future ministers. The bow is this region and the families whom God has already planted there. The one association, us, we are the archer who must reach in, draw it back, and fire it again and again. Guys, you've you've been hearing reports that we're going to Romania. Those reports are absolutely 100% true. And they're all true in the sense that Joseph went to the land ahead of his brothers. Guys, in the end, who was there in the land with Joseph? It was all 12 brothers, all 12 tribes, everybody, all 12 churches will be in the land together. And we will reach our land grant. You guys understand this. And it's on recording for posterity's sake. We want to be very clear. You should not view this as some separate church plant. We're an advanced team that is going to prepare the way for what the One Association will do as we send sons into the Middle East from this region. We're building a launching pad for decades of ministry, for generations of disciples. We are the Aswan team. That has not changed, nor will it ever change. We are the One Association. And the One Association is the archer who will fire sons into this region. But it's necessary that we begin the work to build the launching platform. It's necessary that we start digging out the foundation and laying the groundwork to be able to have this function properly. We, as a singular entity, will see God's promises to us fulfilled, and he has shown us the place that we must start. This brings us back to John 4, where we'd like to revisit it and take one more look at it. This is John 4, picking up in verse 34. You guys are familiar with this. It says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. This is not about the harvest in one country alone. This is a harvest that only comes through breaking down the uh, dividing wall between countries, borders, and between people. Before we go into these regions, we have to realize that there are borders and boundaries put up between people that God did not ordain. Those lines on the map are put there by people to keep them separate. But in the name of Jesus and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, those are going to fall and brothers are going to be unified. Unified not based on their bloodline, but based on the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Now, the context of John 4 is the reunification of all 12 tribes under one Messiah with no more barriers. Say no more barriers. No more barriers. And no more time to waste. We're coming to a close here together this morning. We want to give you, come back to the very beginning, because we've been talking about these 40 holy martyrs of Savas for several years now. And now we've had some further experiences where God has spoken to us as we have contemplated the journey that he took them on. As the attitude of natural soldiers that no longer care where each other are from, this is the attitude that God is making sure that we have as a foundation for our ministries together. As ministries that are united around the same exact war plan, just like the first picture that we put on the screen this morning. Our war plan is called the Balkan Bow. Remember the story of the 40 martyrs. There were soldiers of many types. This has been inspiring us for years. And remember that it was at the monastery in Saranda, dedicated to the 40 martyrs, that a rising received revelation. And we could see our brother's vision. Guys, in order to accomplish this, the attitude of the 40 holy martyrs is what we need. And what was that attitude? It's the attitude that this same martyr kind of mentality that these men had is the martyr mentality that we have. That we are unified as one man with one purpose and one war plan. One singular goal and aim with our lives. Saints, at this point, it is an hour and 17 minutes, which is a good 13 minutes short of an average Sunday sermon. I'd like to ask my father to come up and close out this message with us. You have had the benefit of experiencing a ministry team that is multi-generational, not just in natural fathers and sons, but in fathers and disciples. For this plan to succeed, not only must we throw aside all the individuality and unite like a singular army and singular uh, mission and purpose. When we're talking about Psalm 127 in the bow, we have to fire our collective arrows into the Middle East. We have to view our sons as our sons. We can no longer look at the generations that are coming after us and say, well, this is my son. This is what I want him to do, or this is my ministry. It is one bow, one steady stream of arrows coming from the same place, and one target that we're all aiming at. In conclusion for our part, we want to say, we can no longer say four months more to any division, any difference, any discrepancy or disparity between us, our brothers, or their arrows. We as a one association with no difference between the churches are going to collectively fire this Balkan bow into the call of God until it reaches Jerusalem. Well, that's a lot to absorb, isn't it? Let's put Hosea 12.10 on the screen. I spoke to the prophets, gave them many visions, and told parables through them. 
If you live under the delusion that in biblical times this stuff was so much clearer, well, it's a delusion. Men have always seen in part, prophesied in part. I turned 48 years old the other day, which is weird to be married to such a young and attractive woman and be filled with arthritis that reminds me, reminds me of every injury I've ever had. We're grasping to put together what the Lord is showing us. But there are things that just cannot be ignored. Again and again and again, when prophecy comes forward from spirit-filled believers that says something like, Romania is the key, and you have no idea that the city that, that you're doing all of your ministry in, if you ask a Romanian what does Cluj mean, he's like, Cluj means Cluj. They have no idea. But to the Serbians that are with us, all they hear is, we're standing in a city called Key, and God keeps telling us it's the key. When you hear a prophecy come forward at the Black Sea that says, there is not a spirit of slumber, I'm sorry, of confusion on Romania, but a spirit of slumber, and you are called to wake them up. Well, that was a direct confrontation with a pastor that was hiding in sin, blaming his sin and his lack of progress on the Romanian people. He was saying to his whole congregation, the problem with this country is they have a spirit of confusion and you just can't reach them. Of course, that's because he was in sin. And the prophecy came forward that there was not a spirit of confusion. It was simply our job to wake them up. You know what we didn't know? The Romanian national anthem begins with the words, awake Romania, awake as a soldier. This happens again and again and again. And to be honest, we got a little fixated on the end of a thing and missed all of the steps in between. You've never done that, have you? No man has ever started dating and thought only about marriage and not all the development between that day and marriage. That's never happened before. God has been speaking to us and Right down to the point where we're having lunch trying to figure out what to do seven or eight years ago. And the passage we cannot get off of our mind is, hey, this word says write down the revelation. So we did. Nick did. All the rest of us forgot about it. And God would bring us back almost ten years after the event. And in reading it in the same place, in the same spot, we're like, how could we have missed this? Is it, we, he says it to us every few years. through as many witnesses as, as you can imagine. But it's like that when you're trying to discern the will of God. It's clear in the rear view mirror. It's not always clear moving forward. Now, I'm not going to take the opportunity for a gratuitous dig on those of you that are struggling to make sense of the words that you've already been given. All I can say is that we have reason to trust our Father. Amen. And He'll keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it because He's not going to let us fail. I want to spend a few minutes going through a passage or two with you. Let's go to 1 Timothy 2. 
All I have to do is find the book of Timothy. All the T's are together, though. I mean, the Apostle Paul made it easy for us. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. How many people did Jesus give his life as a ransom for? It's very easy to think about you and your people. But the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we heard preached about on Thursday night was given for all men. Now, I mentioned I turned 48 the other day, and on my 48th birthday, one of the things that Jennifer and I did, I mean one of the things that we did, was we sit, sat and looked at a list of the countries in the world, and we wrote down a criteria. If we had spent more than 24 hours there and had preached the gospel to someone in that city, we wrote it to the side. In 48 years, God has sent us to 48 countries where we have preached the gospel. That's, that's quite, quite an accomplishment for a dumb kid from Louisiana that was brawling in a parking lot the day before I got born again. Was all of that wasted, though? If God has called us to begin in Romania, was all of that a waste? Or is it necessary to gain a larger vision of what God wants to do in the world and then ask him, where do we start, Lord? See, when you hear that, oh, the Aswan region, the Aswan region, the Aswan region, or at the Arising Church, the biblical land grant and the Genesis 10 nation map, when you hear that, it's easy to get focused on that and then hear, what's this Balkan bow thing? The Balkan bow is the first bite in the larger elephant that we're going to eat. That is what we're talking about. We're talking about a D-Day landing. We're talking about a place to start. I closed the service Thursday with 1 Timothy 4 in verse 10. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We have a precious privileged status that God is speaking to us. He loves all men. He's given his life as a ransom for all men, but none so more than those that are in this room, which gives us an obligation. Why is he especially your savior? Because you're aware that he saved you. You are experiencing him saving you now and you know that he will still need to save you in the future as you bring salvation to others. He is more so our savior because we're in the act of being saved. A canceled flight, and Judah kept saying six hours, Bucharest is six hours from Cluj, but Constanta's another two and a half hours the wrong way. He is saving us through freezing fog. He is saving us through an obnoxious Lufthansa employee 
that ignored everybody else in line and came to us and said, would you guys like to go somewhere different? <laughs> what gave you that impression? <laughs> he is better at leading us than we are at following him, and he is helping us learn to take that map. Somebody say amen. amen. Now let's go to the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, I want you to notice the, the emphasis on something. And by the way, we're going to be studying the book of Acts soon together, and there's a good reason for that. Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to teach and do. Is that what it says? I See, I need to make sure that you're with me, that you're awake. Does it say all that I began to teach and do? What does it say? The emphasis of our ministry from day one has been, I will show you my faith by what I do. Amen. The emphasis in the record of the acts of the Holy Spirit, acts of the apostle, acts of the early church, is on what Jesus did and what he taught. We will not be a group that puts a map on the wall and teaches it. What we will be is a group that does it and teaches about it. Now, I know that it's comfortable and that it's safe and it's nice to have a total outline of every step that will be required of you and to know it in advance. But in this house, we actually operate in faith and we go and we try and we fail a lot. But that's not all we do. And when we start to get pieces right from putting faith into action, then we come back and we teach you from what God has caused us to experience what our future looks like. It's not how you sell books, but it is how you raise actual men and women of God that live by faith. The connection between Albania, Cluj, and Turkey is still mysterious, and yet somehow or another, if you had been there... The brothers broke into a 1,400-year-old monastery in a 99.9% .9 Muslim country that is preserved because it's underground where Christians for the last 14 or 15 centuries have been trying to cultivate the same attitude that once went into Turkey and said, I will never leave the ice on this frozen lake. That's what the whole structure is dedicated. And we got to stand in it and worship and with an Albanian pastor. Nothing was prepared. And yet what began to come out of our heart was the cry of Revelation 14. The Lord is causing us to embark on deeds that will never be forgotten in eternity. And friends, that is worth giving your life to. From the arising church, a man stood and read Psalm 116. How precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I will fulfill my vows before the Lord in the congregation. 
We didn't plan that. We didn't think it would sound neat and maybe be inspirational. It is what God dropped on us 40 feet under the earth in a place that Christians have been praying for 14 or 1,500 years trying to regather the tenacity and faith of the early church that stood on the ice in Savas, Turkey. On our way into Albania, because we had with us a brother that was struggling through serious division in his heart, he wasn't sure that he could accept Serbians, but we watched Jesus knock that down. And then we got to an Albanian church where they were preaching about the unity of the Spirit and gave us the opportunity to stand and speak. God gave us Acts 10. And in Acts 10, Cornelius has a vision. He could stand on and go, mine came first. It must be the right one. Mine, mine. Of course, when you read what happened to Peter, the details look a little different. And yet they're describing the exact same event. They weren't two visions. They were one vision. We began to realize one of the reasons God has shaped the one association the way that he has is we are interdependent on one another. The very first meetings we ever held with pastors in the One Association, and remember to me, pastors in the One Association is a little bit like kids you used to teach in Sunday school. They were about the Transjordan tribes. We all fight for each other's inheritance because it is, in fact, one inheritance, and we are one church as Israel is one nation. In our time, we're seeing that come together. Every time we get to a strategic point where we're not sure what to do. I mean, it's not so easy sometimes to cancel ten dollars or $15,000 in flights and change and go to another country. But every time we get to a position like this, somebody in one of the other churches has a dream like the arising church had a dream, a Romanian was standing on a chair saying, a great door has opened, come over here. And as I'm reading it to my wife, we got a text from Niku and Anka. They said, our whole church would like to meet with you. We need your help. It's hard to ignore the way that the Lord is leading us. I have no desire to ignore it. But I can tell you, that it is going to require some things of us. I sold my truck and trailer. If you don't know, I love those things. Judah described it as shooting the family dog for the gospel. And yet it's with great joy. Justin Treister is going back into a secular workforce. Peyton Parsons is going back into a secular workforce. We are all making adjustments. And there's a reason that we're making these adjustments. It's bulk and bow or break. And I don't even plan to break. But we are going to learn to bend that bow this next week. Now, we're not, this is not about an offering. This is actually about an appeal for three things. Can I give you the three things? We need Acts 10 level unity of vision. No more discussion about which church has had the silliest uh, mishaps in their history. Because that just depends on the week.
No more clinging to what you think God showed you with such a tight fist that there's no room in that fist for what God showed your brothers. We're going to raise up 12 domestic churches. That hasn't changed. Those 12 churches are going to be focused on the 70 nations of the world with Jerusalem as the target. That will never change. But we now understand that that vision has steps in it. The Balkan Bow is one of those steps. The Aswan region is one of those steps. The Byzantine Empire is one of those steps. And the Genesis 10 and Abraham land grant that Pastor Slaughter put on a map all of those years ago, that is the biblical world, and we're going to take it all. So number one, our appeal is to a unity of vision. We're going to move to the idea that if our brother heard it, and it has been confirmed, and his life shows dedication to it, then I have participation in it. Period. The second, we have to rekindle the attitude of the 40 martyrs combined with John 4. Those 40 martyrs could not be bribed, could not be seduced, could not be intimidated off of the call of God. And when one fell out, they didn't crumble. God brought another. If I get off on this, it'd take a whole other sermon, so I'm not going to do it. You don't have to be faithful to the things that God has said to you. You can get embittered. You can get wrong ideas. You can cross your arms and just refuse to dance. But God's plan won't stop. He'll simply put somebody else on the ice, and you will be unworthy of it. Does anybody in this house want to be unworthy? No. No. We are going to rise to the call of God. So the attitude is not that we're looking to die. It's that we would rather die than not complete the mission. The John 4 portion of the attitude is we are not going to wait. We're going to start right now. I think it was my last birthday that we covered the message, don't wait. (laughs) Unity of vision from Acts 10, item number one. Item number two, the attitude of the 40 holy martyrs with the John 4 time frame. That is number two. Don't wait, never leave the ice. The third, and this is probably the most important. See, I'm looking at Rick and Susan. I'm looking at Leslie and Roma. I'm looking at Mario and Alicia. And all of us are getting a few miles on us. I mean, the women are still pretty, but the guys, the guys, we, uh, we're starting to get leathery. It's normal for the Christian to get born again, to get spirit-filled, to get a mezuzah, and all we think about is what we do. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? The key to this whole vision is actually that we raise our families to do what God has called them to do, and he's giving us insight into it. But what is my ministry? Raise them. Disciple the next one. Focus them on what God has given us. If he didn't want them to be focused on it, he would have given them to the Baptist church. But he brought them to you. He caused them to be born to you. He caused you to run into the person in Beograd. He caused you to run into the person in the coffee shop, which means he wants you to share this kind of vision with them. 
This means that every family in the room is both cherished, essential, and has got a lot of work to do. These little ones that are running around in here and fighting and wrestling during our reception and all the good things that young warriors do, they are the ones that will accomplish this. Our very best hope is to set a stage that they will stand on. In Acts 1, Jesus did, and then he taught. In Acts 2, the response of Peter's preaching by the people was, what shall we do? I want to leave you with what you should do. Stop feeding your kids donuts and video games. Stop treating them like kids. Start thinking of them as the answer to taking back this world for Jesus Christ. Stop babying disciples, determining what they are and are not ready for. Confront them with the realities of the word of God and expect that attitude of never leave the ice to rise in them. We're going to experience a great deal of loss when these men go, and they're going to go soon. But the depth chart in here is strong. And the very thing that our future depends on is that you keep building the depth in the family of God. They are the arrows, we are the bows. On that note, I think we're going to stand to our feet If you don't have a list of the churches on a mirror in your house, on a door in your house, then when you leave here, the first thing that you should do is start to pray that their vision becomes your vision and pray the names of the churches and the pastors every day. We need Zeke Lamb. We need Justin Johnson. We need Mike Hutchinson. They're producing your children's ministry partners. You just don't know it yet. We're not just selling trucks and trailers. We're about to sow our daughters into other ministries. We're going to see alliances form all over the world for one purpose, getting this done. If you have some resentment in your heart for someone else in this room, if you don't think you have resentment, but somebody else has told you that you do, me, nothing's wrong. No, the look on your face says something's very wrong. You have to get that right. Peter had to get this right in his house before he could go to Cornelius' house. Secondly, if you have the attitude that you've gone a pretty good ways in Christianity and now life is just kind of normal. Maybe you got the job you want and the kids that you want. And, and I mean, you are just kind of hoping to have a respectable finish and ride this thing out. You have to correct that. Ladies, if you're not terrified about the future that God has for you and exhilarated in your heart at the same time, then you've already settled because that's the state you're supposed to live in. Never knowing where you're going, never knowing where your provision will come from, never knowing what the next crazy thing God might call your family to do, and also loving it. And if you're not living in that tension now, it's because you've checked out. And it's time to fix that. Guys, if you've let your wife check out, if you've let her settle for a more comfortable life, it's because you're an apathetic priest, which is to say a pathetic priest.
But you can fix that in one moment with a bowed knee and a rededicated heart that says, I will never leave the ice. If the first two parts of that altar call did not get to you, then let's focus on the third. Fathers in this room, you should gather your family at this altar, and you should lay hands on your children, and you should pray that God gives you the extraordinary privilege of denying them a legal education, denying them a medical education, denying them their future at Baylor will they learn to be whores and pimps and instead make them arrows in a bow that brings the gospel to the rest of the world. If that's not your goal, you're on the wrong flight because that's where we're headed. We experienced a shedding in 2017 of all of the families that said they wanted to do that, but after they got their adopted children, after they got their jobs, after they got their miracles, they really wanted very normal lives for their kids. And they're going to get very normal lives for their kids. But that's not who we are. And that is not where we're going. If you need to break down the division, you don't have to wait for music. You should just walk to the altar. If you need to recultivate the attitude of the 40 holy martyrs and do not wait, you should be walking to the altar. If you are responsible for a family and something in your heart is causing you to go, I want to send my children into the great work of Jesus Christ. You should be walking to the altar and laying hands on your children and not dedicating them to a comfortable and prosperous future, but one of bold faith and daring works for Jesus Christ. Father, we dedicate this time here to you now. Lord, it is beyond our imagination an immeasurable blessing that you would use the rabble and the dregs of the earth in such a cherished and precious way. Lord, you are transforming us. You are transforming us in our attitude, in our heart, even in our competency and proficiency. And what we're asking, mighty one, is that the next generation that you've entrusted to us would be allowed to stand in the places that you've shown us. Lord, we stand on Nebo and say, let our sons take the land. Help us, mighty one. Help us in this room by cleaning leprosy out of the house of God. By cleaning complacency out of the house of God. Lord, let us be through with low living. Help us in this room, mighty one, by cultivating the attitude of faith in us. Lord, cultivating the attitude of sacrifice in us. We want to be a launching pad for your work in our sons and disciples. Come and have your way in us. Come and move about in us that we might repent, that we might rededicate, that we might renew. Lord, that your church might be as spotless as your book describes it. We love you and thank you for your great working in our lives.